Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I have to start with an admission. Table manners are not my strong suit. Never have been. And some of you who have eaten with me are like, yep, that's true, Pastor. They're not your strong suit. I I don't mean to say that I'm some kind of slob or anything like that. More to the point, I don't quite get all of the niceties of the manners that you're supposed to have, especially when you go to some sort of fancy restaurant, right? But when I'm setting my own table even, I'm still not sure where do you put the knife, where do you put the fork, when should you have multiple forks, where does the spoon go? Is anybody else confused by all of this? Okay, it's just me, I guess. (laughs) Table manners are not my strong suit, and so I can't help but feel a little bit on edge when we encounter this gospel this morning when Jesus sounds a little bit like Mary Poppins on steroids, right? He's telling us, okay, here's how it's going to go when you get invited to a fancy dinner. Please don't embarrass yourself, all right? Don't go to the highest seat. Take the lowest seat. You've got to pay attention to where you are so that when the host comes and finds you, he doesn't have to send you down to the lowest seat. Jesus sounds here like uh, Miss Manners or maybe Mr. Manners. He's just telling you, look, this is what you've got to do, guys. If you get invited to a nice meal, here's how you behave. And above all, he says, be humble. Be humble. Now, how do we understand that? How do we interpret this seemingly uh, sense from our Lord that this is just a, a command to be humble? There's a way that we conventionally interpret and understand this, and it might be exemplified by this running skit that they used to have on the show Prairie Home Companion. You remember Prairie Home Companion? A radio program. Well, in any case, it was this radio show where there used to be a pair. There would be mom and her son, Dwayne, okay? And the way that it it would always work, there was always a similar sort of flow to the sketch, is Dwayne would call up mom. Hey, mom, how's it going? And mom would start laying it on thick. Oh, Dwayne, you're still alive. I'm so glad to hear from you. None of you moms or grandmas ever do that, right? They say, yes, mom, I'm still alive. And she'd say, oh, no, I understand. You're busy. I'm not important. Mom, you are important. You're my mom. I love you. No, no, I am nobody. Please, I don't matter. Don't call your dear old mom. This is how the skit would go pretty much every time, with some variations. And by the end, Dwayne is frustrated, hanging up, and Mom is crying, sobbing on the other end of the line. This is the way that I think we typically understand this call and command to be humble. It means thinking less of yourself. Putting yourself down. That's the way that we often think of it. Is this what Jesus is calling us to here? Is he saying that we we just need to have what sometimes is called Minnesota nice, or we might say Michigan nice, this sense of thinking less of yourself, putting yourself down? Is Jesus truly just a a glorified Miss Manners here? In C.S. Lewis's uh, classic book, The Screwtape Letters, he has one of his letters from the demon Screwtape. If you're not familiar with this book, it's kind of, it's a satire. It's written from the perspective of the demons. And there's one letter in particular that Screwtape writes about humility. Now listen to what he has to say here. Again, remember that this is coming from a demon's perspective and so not to be trusted. He says, you must conceal from the patient the true end of humility. Let him think of it not as self-forgetfulness, but instead as a certain kind of opinion, namely a low opinion of his own talents and character. Some talents, I gather, he really has. But fix in his mind the idea that humility consists in trying to believe those talents to be less valuable than he believes them to be. 
No doubt they are, in fact, less valuable than he believes, but that's not the point. The great thing is to make him value an opinion for some quality other than truth, thus introducing an element of dishonesty and make-believe into the heart of what otherwise threatens to become a virtue. By this method, thousands of humans have been brought to think that humility means pretty women trying to believe they are ugly and clever men trying to believe they are fools. See, as Screwtape has it, this is how we typically think about humility and what he is encouraging. Get them to think about humility as just thinking less of yourself, putting yourself down. And so handsome men are taught to think that they're ugly and clever women are taught to think that they are fools. Is that really what Jesus is telling us here? Is this what it means for us to, to be humble? Is that the summons that Jesus is just Miss Manners or Mr. Manners? No, there's more going on here when he says the one who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is no mere command, but instead we might look at it as a, a pattern that the Lord is lifting up, a pattern that is true throughout the scriptures. This is just a declaration of the way things are. Just to put on our nerdy grammar goggles for a minute, you notice that the, the mood here is not an imperative. It's not a command from Jesus, be humble. Instead, it's an indicative. It's a statement of fact. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Think of how we see this unfold within the scriptures. First of all, that those who exalt themselves will be humbled. You go back, you see countless examples of this in the Old Testament. You see King Nebuchadnezzar, who exalted himself, who sought to be worshipped by the people, and he ends up acting like a cow out in the fields. You think uh, again of the Tower of Babel, when all the people gathered together and said, we are going to make a name for ourselves. We are going to exalt ourselves up to heaven. And how did that work out for them? Instead, they are humbled, brought down to the earth, and the languages are scattered. And behind all of those examples of self-exaltation, you have the ultimate self-exalter, Satan. This is the original sin of Satan, that he sought to exalt himself against the heavenly throne, wanted to bring down and to replace God Almighty in that place. He exalted himself and therefore was cast down by the Lord. He was humbled. This is a pattern that continues all throughout the Bible, and still to this day. You think of all the examples, the times you see this. I mean, it's the basis of countless comedy films, right? The guy who is exalting himself, the braggadocio one, the, the prideful one, he's the one who finally gets his just desserts. As we all know, that's the way that it ought to work. We have that deep-seated sense that there is this pattern, that pride comes before the what? Fall. One who exalts himself will be humbled. And conversely, this pattern holds true when we see the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Think again of King David, who before he was King David was lowly David, right? He was the youngest. He was the, the runt of the litter. And when the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's family and said, we're looking for the Lord's next anointed. You got any good candidates? He goes through all of the other kids and he forgets about little David who's out in the field, the shepherd boy. But that little David, overlooked, undervalued, ends up being not only the Lord's anointed, but the, the pattern and the forerunner, in a sense, for the ultimate coming Christ. It's there in Isaiah chapter 40, in those familiar words that we hear or even sing each year in Advent, that the, the 
every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill be made low. It's there in Mary's song, the Magnificat, which said that God cast down the mighty from their thrones and exalts and lifts up those of lowly estate. He lifts up the humble. We see this pattern again and again and again. And in Jesus' own ministry, this word, this very word that he speaks here in Luke 14, he repeats a couple of other times as well. Three times he says that the one who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, the fact that Jesus would say that over and over again, I think, points to something more profound yet. That ultimately, ultimately, this pattern culminates in Christ himself. That it's a description of the way things are that finds its fulfillment in the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. There's that wonderful passage in Philippians chapter 2, which says that Jesus, though he was equal to God, he humbled himself, emptied himself, taking on the form of a very servant, a slave. As we heard in Hebrews 13, even he, he received this ignoble death of crucifixion outside the gate. And yet, what did the Father do? But he exalted him, raised him from the dead. The same verbs in Philippians 2 that are used here in Luke 14. Jesus is the one, the true one. Notice that he says, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This pattern finds its fulfillment in Christ, the one who humbled himself and whom God has therefore exalted from the grave. And so we see that ultimately, this is not merely some command to be humble, nor even is it simply a pattern, but it's finally a promise. It's a promise for you and for me. A promise that is rooted in the realities of salvation history and in the redemption of Christ. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's a promise for you and for me and one that I think we need to cling to. Because, you know, in my years of ministry and even as just I myself have grown older, when I talk with folks about the experience of life, just in the broadest, largest sense. We talk about life and what it means, and we're to boil it down to a single word. The word that I hear that comes up again and again and again when you ask folks, what is life like? That word that they answer with is humbling. It's humbling. It's humbling, first of all, because of all the the gifts and the blessings that you and I receive undeserved. But it's also humbling for the simple fact that we are brought low in countless ways. Through our experience of finitude and failures, our human limitations, the things that we run up against, the experiences and the circumstances that remind us and show us that we don't have it all together, that we are not able to exalt ourselves. It's those experiences, those times when you find yourself being brought down to the ground to the humus, literally what it means to be humbled and humiliated. It happens to all of us, and especially as we age. We grow in wisdom. To the extent that we grow in wisdom, we are humbled and recognize, I'm not as high on the horse as I thought that I was. You and I all get laid low by life in so many ways. But in Christ, you are exalted. 
In Christ, those who are laid low are now lifted up. In Christ, you have been befriended by God. In Christ, you have been invited to his table where our Savior still stoops down to you and me who comes as a servant, not as the one who came to be served, but to serve, who summons you and me to this table and says, friend, come up higher. Receive these gifts of my very body and blood. We now have been exalted in Jesus in ways innumerable in this life already so that now, now we are free Free from all of these status games. Free from all the ways that people try to honor themselves, to lift themselves up, to make a name for themselves. Instead, already Christ has made a name for you. Baptized child of God. Already in Christ, you have been lifted up by his love so that now you can lift up others. See, the human life, in a sense, the Christian life, is that we are like human levers. We make ourselves low to lift others up. It's not just an attitude of saying, I'm nobody, woe is me. It's not about thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Giving ourselves away for the sake of others. It's the pattern that our Lord Jesus fulfills and a pattern that you and I follow in. And once again, C.S. Lewis hits the nail on the head when he says, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He'll not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who's always telling you that, of course, he's nobody. Probably all you'll think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. He'll not be thinking about humility. He'll not be thinking about himself at all. It's not about thinking less of ourselves but thinking of ourselves less because you and I are confident that we are always on the mind of the Messiah, the one who stooped low and humbled himself in order to lift you up. And on the last day, when you and I have gone through the ultimate humbling experience, when you are brought down six feet under the earth, on that last day, on the great wedding feast of the Lamb, the king will come and call to you and me and say, friend, come up higher. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.